Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Wood Talk Online Radio, for woodworkers, by woodworkers. Now here are three guys that are actually under the illusion that woodworking is cool. Mark, Matt and Shannon. It's episode 86 for June 1st, 2011. On today's special live edition of Wood Talk Online Radio, we're going to be discussing leaving a woodworking legacy, popping the grain on non-figured woods, and something else that I forgot to write in there. We'll also have some uh, voicemails, emails, and the common task quiz, which everybody loves. We'll do that later on. But before we get to all that good stuff, Matt, can you tell them how they can get in touch with us? That's right. As always, there's a few different ways you can get a hold of us if you ever have a comment, question, or suggestion about something you've heard in today's show or maybe something you'd like to hear on an upcoming episode. Email us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com or call and leave us a voicemail at 623-242-5180. You can also reach us by Skype. Just look for us at woodtalkonline. That's all one word. Or you can check out our individual sites at thewoodwhisperer.com for Mark, renaissancewoodworker.com for Shannon, and mattsbasementworkshop.com for me, Matt. And especially head on over to the forum at woodtalkonline.com. And with that said, you know what? Maybe we should head right into that voicemail we have because, after all, this is a very special episode of Wood Talk Online. That's <laughs> right. The live shows are all about you guys. And if you don't give us content, the show is pretty short. So yeah. that's just gonna, that's how it's going to work. Yep. We'll just do the introduction. We'll say hey, and then we'll say goodbye, and then we'll walk away. Yeah, and essentially we are kind of saying goodbye for about three and a half minutes here. Um, <laughs> Lim, Lim, Lim sent us a very nice uh, e- or voicemail, and it's, it's fairly long, but uh, he just has a good speaking voice, and I think it's worth listening to. Not to this mention he compliments the average us. length of a spoken wood podcast, so this is almost like sitting through one of those. Yeah, it kind you of You can just recycle it in the feed, man. Uh, there you ooh, go. There's an, I'll send you the file later. But anyway, let's oh, hear from good. our good buddy Lim, and uh, let's hear him compliment us, which we always love. Mm-hmm. Hi, Mark, Matt, and Shannon. This is Lynn Peacock from Northern Virginia. And I wanted to let you know I'm celebrating a personal milestone today, and that is, as of today, 
I have listened to all 85 episodes of Wood Talk Online, including the DVD review episode. And guys, I got to tell you, it's been a wonderful ride. And quite frankly, I'm kind of sorry that it's over. I don't know what I'm going to be listening to. I guess boring talk radio in the car from now on until the next episode comes out. But one of the things that I noticed is that even listening to the episodes from four years ago, I mean, there's a lot of relevant information in there that is still applicable today. And uh, things that I learned that I didn't know and websites that you guys talked about that I had never heard about before. So I just want to thank you so much for an awesome and entertaining resource. And Matt, i got to tell you, I have tried over and over again to try to imitate your Popeye chortle. And I, I, I can't get it. You have a unique voice. Uh, it's a unique characteristic. <laughs> Don't ever change it. And I'm going to continue to try to get it down. But as of right now, it just kind of sounds like an animal that's just gasping for air. <laughs> Shannon, right, uh, you have been a great addition to the show. And I just wanted to tell you thank you personally uh, for your emails that you've given me, helping me with building the Rebeau. Um, I'm almost done with it. I've finished the undercarriage, the top's all done, uh, the leg vice is done, and I'm getting ready to tackle the mortises for the top so that I can just kind of mate everything together. And when I'm done, I'll send you pictures. And Mark, I just want you to know I really do appreciate your friendship, generosity, and accessibility over the years. You have been always quick to respond to my panicky questions, and I can't tell you how many times you have really saved my bacon with your suggestions and insight. And every time I go to Famous Days, I think of you, and <laughs> I will from now on always lift up a spare rib in your honor. Now, guys, the second thing I called about is something that's really <laughs> dear to my heart. And it's something that I don't hear about a lot in the mags or on the websites. And I call it legacy woodworking. Um, I think we all do it. We all build pieces of furniture for family members, uh, either because a need has arisen, like a bookshelf or something like that, or we just want to do something special as a gift. Now, I know for me personally, I am never going to be a billionaire. I'm never going to leave my kids a mansion on the beach in Cabo. But what I can do is I can leave them a legacy of well-made furniture that will be passed down from generation to generation. Woodworking for me is my greatest passion. There's no question about it. But I have no illusion or desire to do this for a living. A lot of times I have friends or acquaintances who see pieces that I've done and they'll ask me if I can make this for them or that. And I always say no because it isn't part of the big plan. And for me, the big plan is to turn out as many pieces of heirloom quality furniture that will eventually find places in the homes of my children, grandchildren, and eventually great-grandchildren and beyond. I can't think of anything that I will ever do in my lifetime that will transcend the time will transcend time and generations. Legacy woodworking, something to think about and talk about. I love the show, guys. You do a great job. Keep up the great work and take care. So there you go. Thank you, Lynn, right. for that wonderful voicemail. And um, I just had to play it. I know it was a little bit long, but I, I really appreciate him calling in. And uh, I, I think, frankly, that's a wrap, fellas. Thank that's you it. All right. Well, thanks for coming, guys. And we'll catch you in a couple weeks. That was awesome. So Toodaloo. it's just... <laughs> so I that, would that, like everybody to know that my uh, laugh is available as a ringtone. Um, 
if you would like to have that. Well, you know what? I've, I've heard that it's one that really motivates people to answer the phone faster than uh, lightning. <laughs> well, you know what? Nicole is actually going to be working on a soundboard for the Wood Whisperer app, which will include some of the audio clips that we have for Wood Talk. Um, oh, so boy. if you want to do a recording of one of your chortles, Matt, we will definitely put that in a soundboard. <laughs> well, if I remember it, I think before there was probably, uh, uh, Lem, you, you could probably, since you just got done listening to all uh, 84 episodes, which one was it that Mark put together the little piece of Matt from the various shows having me say different phrases? <laughs> <laughs> that is right. Oh, man. I, I don't know what I did with that. Jeez, I'll, have to, I'll have to dig around and see if I could find that. Nice. All right. Well, let's uh, let's not get too far away from the topic because I thought Lynn right. brought up a really good point here. Now, a lot of us would work at you know maybe necessity or it's just pure joy, completely hobby. Some of us are uh, pros or semi pros. So what he's talking about is basically he really only builds things that work toward the continuation of his legacy um, because I think it's a very valid point. And I've thought about that too. Like as woodworkers, we have one great advantage over, you know, just about anybody. Well, I guess anybody who creates sort of has this as well, but it makes me feel good that we're doing something on a regular basis by creating things that will outlast us um, mm -hmm. by, right. a, you know, a, a, a lot of years. So it's something that, you know, I wonder how often you guys actually think about that when you're building something. Do you think about the, the long-term aspects of this stuff? Well, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because just the last night, um, Samantha and I were sitting at, at, at the table that I, I built for us. And it's it's nothing really special. It's just a, a, a trestle table. And it was one of my first attempts at building something of that size. Mm -hmm. And it was funny because the two of us have just sat there and people have commented on it a number of times when they come in. They're like, wow, this is a really great table. You know, where did you get this and everything else? And I'm always like, really? You think this piece of crap is nice? <laughs> but the neat thing about it is the one thing her and I were talking about the most is for sure. This is one of those things that you know, years and years down the road, this is potentially one of those items that we could see passing on to like our grandkids. Yeah. If our, our children, you know, do have kids, hopefully they will. If not, I hope they take care of me in my retirement. <laughs> but you know, the main thing though, is having that for sure is one piece that we have in the house that I think, well, I know for a fact I built it to last and I built it to be something that, will be passed down down the generations and, and it's so funny because i look at it and there's a lot of things in there that i see like this is the first time i tried this technique this is the first time i played with this design and that was part of the goal behind it, it was like one of those i'm going to experiment this with this and i want this to be built to absolutely last so it's that's really funny that he asked this question and yeah. then i had that conversation last night well, Shannon, when you build this stuff, I mean, does that run through your mind? I mean, obviously, we're always trying to, to make things as good as they can possibly be. But do you think it almost brings a little bit too much pressure when you start thinking about it in those terms? I suppose it could. Um, yeah. I, you know, I, I started thinking about this, uh, I don't know, probably when I started working at the, the museum, volunteering at the museum, because mm -hmm. we have a lot of antiques and things there. And what I found interesting is like from a museum curator's perspective and like the restoration ist or whatever to actually go in and start looking at how things were built. Um, I got in a conversation with one of the joiners of Williamsburg about this. And I think, I don't know, I think my goal from now on is just to try to throw those guys a curveball as much as I can. <laughs> you know, yeah. this is how this piece went together. And they look at mine and go, Oh no, it didn't go together that way. So I, you know, it, I, I joke, but at the same time, there's a little bit of seriousness there. You know, what can I do that will 
what's a distinctive thing you hear about um you know all these cabinet makers like goddard and the townsend shops that did very specific things you know the whole concave convex shell of newport furniture was done by the goddards and townsend so i'm still trying to find exactly what it is what's my signature my signature piece that will forever demarcate my furniture 300 years from now <laughs> as, as came from the rogers cabinet shop so, right but, you know, the long and short of it is, yes, I am thinking about that. You know, I developed a specific molding profile um, you know, on, on the hand tool school thinking, wouldn't it be cool in like 300 years if somebody is looking at a piece and they see this molding, you go, oh, okay, that came from this particular guild. And then that archaeologist finds it, finds it on the other side of the world yeah. and goes, wait a minute, what happened there? <laughs> uh, internet woodworking, that's what happened. Rogers was not working on this type of thing in 2011. That was until 2020. <laughs> that was during his uh, his modern period. Um, so, well, I mean, the thing is, Lim, Lim actually mentioned that in additional email he sent me that he does these little Easter egg things with his projects where he'll put something into it that chances are no one like the current owner will probably never find. But if I guess maybe if something gets repaired or somebody starts digging a little bit, that there's something for them to find, like a little surprise in there for them. And uh, I don't know. I thought that was that definitely is really cool. I don't know if it's something that I would ever really go through the trouble of doing. But, um, you know, just hidden stuff like that. It sounds like something that you would do if you're really, really taking a lot of pride in your projects. It's very cool. I think it was it was Christian Bexfort. I remember reading in a, a, a an article of Fine Woodworking magazine many years ago, talking about how he does something very similar. I think he has a a, a coin, and I can't remember exactly which one it is. If is it's it, like a silver dollar or something. Is it the, not the wooden one? Right. It's just it's an actual coin. Yeah, an actual coin, oh. and then he he builds it into the project. It goes somewhere in there. It pretty much is. Looking back on, I mean, back then I was like, why would you waste a coin like that? You know what I could do with that coin? But now he just I'm like, lost twenty five cents. That's right. I could go play a video game. Well, not anymore. Those are all 50 cents. And well, then it, you get tokens. Well, it increases uh, the value of your work. So, Yeah, there right. you go. That would pretty much double the value of some of my projects. Uh, but I remember him. If I remember correctly, wasn't it like the year the year he made the piece was yeah. like the mint of the coin? There you go. That Makes sounds sense. right. Yeah. Hmm. You have to look that article up. But yeah, I remember seeing that. I remember thinking something like that because I know on the majority of my projects, I just take out a Sharpie marker and was like, sorry. I built this, Matt. <laughs> Apologies. <laughs> Enjoy. So, so, you know, I got, I got into a conversation today at the office. There's a, one of our sales guys is building some bar stools. And, and again, I am constantly floored by the fact that I'm truly the only woodworker out of the 80-some people that work at this lumber yard. <laughs> I'm the only one that actually works the stuff we sell. Which nice. Is, the rest you know, of them just all... wanted a discount for firewood. <laughs> oh, you joke. But um, yeah, um, <laughs> you know, they all they all love wood. They all respect wood, but none of them actually work it. You know, there are many furniture collectors. There's a lot of guys that really um, uh, appreciate high quality wood, but no one actually works it. It's really kind of interesting. So one of our sales guys that decided he was going to build a bar stool. And of course, he's hitting up me, hitting me up for joinery questions. And I'm, you know, you get that, that woodworker moment where you start to froth at the mouth when you start thinking of possibilities and, oh, you know, you could wrap the stretcher around and you could use like a, 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 an overlapping joint. And then, oh, you know, you could put like cut rosehead nails as a little accent. And he, he's looking at me like, who the heck are you? You know, what are you doing? I just wanted to put some stretchers on the bar stool. And then I started saying, well, you know, how strong do you want these to be? He's like, they're bar stools. I don't really care. I just need to make them last for, you know, until I move out of this apartment. 
And it was like this very sad moment when I suddenly realized that, you know, most people don't think that way. They don't think in terms of, is this piece of furniture going to last beyond me? Because we just moved beyond that. You know, it's furniture is disposable. So I do think that um, somebody's got to think this way, you know, so that there is furniture for the archaeologists to find in 300 years. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. (laughs) Now, do you guys sign like each and every one of your pieces that go out the door? Sure. Yeah, almost every single one of them. Uh, there's there's a couple of pieces I haven't, and it, and it has less to do with uh, my fear of the people coming back, and actually more to do with uh, if it's something that this is this is really the opposite of what it should be. If it's something that I've worked really really hard on, and I'm really really proud of it, I think it's just like the best thing ever. I'm almost less inclined to put my name on it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why, because it's like one of those, I, I'm just so proud of it that it's, I, I guess in my mind, it's one of those, the, 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 the piece will, 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 the people will tell who made the piece and that's how the word will get out. Like somehow it'll stand alone so much that it'll be like, that's an original Vanderlist. That's a Vanderlist. Yeah. And then somebody like, no, that pile over there that we have on the fire pit. That's an original Vanderlist. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Sometimes I just forget. Um, I don't know whether I get caught up in the sort of excitement. I don't know. To me, getting the piece out of the shop is one of the most exciting parts of the the project. It's like it, there's sort of a relief thing, uh, a sort of melancholy at the same time. There's a bunch of different weird emotional things going on if it's if it's like a really big project. But one of the biggest things is just to get it out and get it to yes. the point that it's being used. And a lot of times I actually just forget to do something as simple as sign my name or my initials or date it or something, you know, just to mark it as mine. So, um, right. you know, the good thing is most of the stuff, you know, is, is with family. If I really needed to <laughs> to mark it, I could certainly do that. But, um, you know, but I, I went I went through something similar where I remember yeah. to sign it, but I forgot to take pictures of it. Oh, geez. It's oh, like done that. And ever since I started blogging, I'm like, it's just killing me because there's like <laughs> like five years of woodworking lost, lost to the ages that I never took pictures of before that. You know, no, like, that's uh, that's interesting. Because for me, with pictures, I find that the actual picture, because a lot of times I, once I build it, I feel satisfied. I feel like I've met the challenge and I give it to whoever, whether it's a client or a family member or something, I give it to them so they can enjoy it. And I don't, at that point, once it's gone, I'm really more about the pictures because the pictures are my permanent log that I have built this thing. And then I could show other people, uh, you know, parts of the project or just sort of, I don't know, once it's photographed, I feel like I've done my work. And I think that's why sometimes too, I forget about signing it because I've got my pictures. So I guess I don't necessarily feel like I've got to put my stamp on this thing, but I I need to remember to do that because it's just, I mean, that's what we do. (laughs) We're making this stuff by hand. We better put our name on it. That's a good point because I've done the same thing too. Yeah, where like suddenly I'm like, I'll drag Samantha down to take some really good pictures versus my breaking out the camera phone and doing it. (laughs) And those tend to be the ones that – you know, I don't I don't sign. So maybe that that's another reason why I don't do it is it's like, well, I've already got my 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 category or my catalog right there. See, this is this is the piece. Yeah, for sure. Sure. All right. Well, there you go. Um, definitely, you know, something to, to think about if you're building furniture at some point when you're well, even in the beginning. I mean, well, here's a good question. How many things that you are not proud of just because it's oh, an wow. early project? You know, it was something that you were still learning, but a family member will not let it go. I'm wondering now. We, I mean, I'm sure we yeah. all have those, but do do you have any instances like that where you, it's not something you will ever put your name on, but <laughs> but you've got a family member that just says, you know, you know what, you made this. This was early in your career. I love it. I'm never getting rid of it. Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I I have two of them. I have one 
Uh, and it's funny because both of them are in bedrooms. One is was a uh, quote-unquote lingerie uh, chest of drawers for my wife, and the other one was a small chest of drawers for my mother-in-law. And I hate both pieces to death. I cannot stand them. I absolutely, <laughs> if I had my way, I would. In fact, we were moving furniture not too long ago, and I, I literally attempted to drag this thing outside to throw it, you know, into a in, into the garbage. And Samantha like ran out after me to grab this thing and pull it back in. And I'm like, I hate this. I'll build you a new. Let me build you a new one. It'll look so much better. And that was the exact thing. Was she's like, this is the first thing you ever really made for me. So for her, it has more sentimental value. And, I mean, it works. The drawers open and they don't stick that much and nothing falls out or falls apart. But it's one of those things every morning I wake up, it's the first thing I see. And there's just like that, God, what the hell was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that happens. But, you know, it's these are all things that kind of mark our, our growth. And I could see why family members would just kind of have more a little bit more pride in them than we do. And that, I think that's OK. Well, you know, sure. one last thought about this mm-hmm. and it, it's when when you're building something like if. Say you take on a commission, even if it's for a family or a friend, and it's like one of those they have like this, you know, they really, really wanted this piece. They they wanted this for a specific reason or a specific design or something like that. Do you find yourself and I, I think I already know the answer to this, but like maybe putting just that much more extra little attention into not so much the maybe the details, but the actual construction, like trying to do it just a little bit better than maybe if you were doing it for yourself. I mean, I think that goes kind of with, without saying that you normally would. But the last couple of pieces that I've built have been for uh, people outside of this house, at yeah. least. And it seems like there's a lot of times where normally I'd be like, OK, I'm done. Typically, this is where exactly where I would stop. But then there's like that little voice in my head that says, I got to go a little bit further. I have to do just that much more on this particular piece because I want this one to have just that much more, say, meaning or one of those things that for sure when other people see it, they're like, oh, wow, yeah, he's made progress. Well, for me personally, I uh, yes, that has happened early on. And what I noticed was that most of my mistakes or most of my just imperfections in my projects were self-induced. They were things that if I had taken my time or if I mm-hmm. spent a little bit more time finished sanding or I would have scraped the surface or used a, a smoothing plane instead of trying to rush through with 80 grit or something, you know, these things were preventable. And what I had learned to try to do is on every single project, no matter who it's for, I only have one way of doing things. And what winds up happening is this is the transition that took place between when I was doing things trying to make a living and working for clients and also trying to get things done as fast as possible versus me woodworking for myself or what I do now, which is basically woodworking for the website. Um, It's two different ways of woodworking. When I was doing it as a pro, I had lines and it depended on how much I was getting paid and exactly what type of materials they were allowing me to use for the project. I would actually dial it back so that once I got out of that mindset and I was building for myself again, I had to remind myself that unless there's some really good reason for me to have to rush through something, I should be doing every single project to the absolute best of my abilities. And that to me has been uh, a, a challenge to keep reminding myself not to stop early, to to just go that extra mile because I can. So I don't have those stupid self-induced uh, flaws and errors in the final project. 
Right. Yeah. That, that's something that I've, I've kind of been, I don't want to say I've been wrestling with the, the most recent project, but for sure, yeah. um, this, this is a, essentially the pieces I'm working on right now are very similar to ones I did for this uh, family previously. I mean, the design is identical. I'm just building it for a different room. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because my goal is to have these ones be very similar, but completely different <laughs> in, <laughs> right. in, in the fact that the, you know, the, the finished product is just going to look that much more um, uh, finished is, I guess, the, the word I'm looking for. Just that much better. Almost like, I guess, my my subconscious goal is to have it like, wow, whoever did these ones really did better than this crap over here. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. Well, uh, let's jump into some news items. And normally during our live show, we won't, unless it's like a pressing thing, we won't really mention much in the way of news. But we do have a couple things that came out today, and I thought that they were interesting enough and generating some buzz. So we'll talk about them for a couple of minutes. Uh, first, I want to mention everybody knows Charger, right? Uh, he's in the chat room right now. Yeah, he is. Charger is a very talented woodworker, and he's uh, he's been um, uh, you know a member of the forum and hangs out in the chat room all the time. Just an all around good guy. He ventured on the uh, the challenge of building an Adirondack guide boat. And yeah. yeah, I mean, really, really, uh, it boats, uh, instruments, you know, these are certain levels of woodworking that I don't, someday I will try them, but I will probably do them under, you know, someone's guidance. You know, I don't want to necessarily and, plow and through not on camera and not on camera. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'll work that out while no one's looking. Um, but anyway, charger just jumped right in, built this boat. Um, and he's got a YouTube video up there that I'll put a, a link up for his maiden voyage. And he sent me some information. I'm going to do a nice blog post for him on the website. I just think it's great that he just went and, and you know, charged, no pun intended, right into uh, doing this boat build. And it came out absolutely beautiful. This thing looks, uh, f- from my perspective, looks flawless. So I just and wanted may to... may I um, say, my favorite kind of guide boat, fly fishing from an Adirondack guide boat is one of the greatest experiences <laughs> you will ever have. There so, you go. Way to go, Charger. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Big congratulations on, on uh, finishing that project. I think it's awesome. Right. If I remember right, I do believe he had a, a webcam up at some point during the oh, building yeah. process. He's, a, you know, he's got his cam up quite yeah, a bit. Yeah, that's actually. right. That's right. Yeah, I did look yeah. at that. Yeah, that yeah. was that was pretty spectacular. Yeah, and again, that's one of those. I'm less worried about watching you be, watching me build it versus watching it sink when I first get in it. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a weight limit on this boat? Um... <laughs> what do you mean the putty's not holding those holes? What are you talking about? I filled those twice. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know what else I should mention? And Sack just uh, uh, reminded me. It's I don't think it's out yet, but I believe in this coming uh, the next issue of Wood Magazine will have a great article about Sack and his workshop. Um, right. So that, I'm looking forward to reading that. Uh, he just asked if I would mention it, so I did. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention was, you know Adam King, right? He's that guy that does those things and stuff. Adam, that guy. Adam, that guy. Adam, He's on Adam. a journey, a woodworker's journey. <laughs> Is it not oh, ringing, yeah, not ringing a bell? Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, so anyway, woodworker's journey, Adam King. Um, he is the host or has been the host of Wood Chat, which is kind of, I don't want to say it's like a sister show. It's just kind of funny that we almost always do them back to back or sometimes at the same time on Wednesdays. Uh, <laughs> and basically Wood Chat is a little Twitter based conversation uh, between pro woodworkers about anything that happens to be the topic of uh, that particular week. So it's something that you can join into. We try to encourage people to do it, but he announced today that he's no longer going to do the hosting of that, and he's passing off the hosting to, who was it, uh, Scott Meek? Scott Meeks, yep. 
Okay, and who, by the way, has an incredible website, does great work. He sells some some really high-end tools, I think, that he's uh, crafting oh, these days. Some amazing, absolutely beautiful-looking um, uh, hand planes. Yeah. And uh, uh, Vic, has, he purchased one not too long oh, ago. Did he? And he was talking about how um, he, he was just blown away by how amazing they work and yeah. really the way that they feel and everything. And they do look really good. I, I'm almost like one of those, hey, Scott, you want to work out a deal here? Let's work like something out. <laughs> I didn't pull the trigger yet, but I have been really, really tempted. So um, Scott will be doing the hosting of that, but it's a pretty free form, uh, you know, sort of environment that you can have good conversations. And if you're thinking about going pro or you already are, it's a great place to just kind of bounce ideas uh, off of other people and get some inspiration. Right, definitely. And it's and one of those things, don't be thrown off by the whole pro thing either. You can really get some neat information Yeah, uh, if you're just not even thinking about going pro, just watching what's happening in there. Yeah. They have some pretty good conversations once in a while. They once do. in a while, not all the time. <laughs> not every Wednesday, <laughs> just uh, every other Wednesday. Uh, yeah. All right, so the other thing I wanted to mention, we won't spend much time on it because we talk about pop woodworking a little too much. Um, but pop woodworking announced that they are going to have a digital subscription option. And it kind of created a little bit of buzz here and there. And what I was really surprised about this, guys, was the amount of negativity that's that came as a result of this. I got a couple of negative posts uh, on my blog and I saw immediately they got negative posts on their blog stating things like, oh, is this just a is this just a coincidence that the Schwarz leaves and Glenn Huey leaves and now there's this digital thing? You know, is this the beginning of the end? And I'm like, geez, people, <laughs> you know, <laughs> relax a little wow. bit, you know, like what? What? So I'm curious what first of all, uh, I would li- like to hear from both of you, good or bad. And second of all, you know, do you think that this bodes poorly for them? Is this a sign that they're struggling or or is it just, you know, do we not even are we not even in a position to even guess what what's going through their minds at this point? Well, you know, I think that, first of all, did we run out of Prozac or something? I mean, what's going on, people? Try to be positive about something. People get angry. (laughs) I think these are the same people that also go like, God, cable television? Really? You got to pay for it? (laughs) Probably. Probably. I, I think that, you know... To think that any print publication is not in trouble. Now, I, I mean, I think popular woodworking is fine. As far as I know, they're they're hitting their numbers. In fact, I think I read that somewhere, like one of the the um, don't panic. I think <laughs> blog posts I saw that came out recently. Yeah, when, I think Chris you know, said something about that specifically. That we're looking good. Everything is you know in the black basically. Right. But if they don't do things like this, they will not be in the black. I right. mean, I, I wonder truly what the demographic is that's truly upset about this. That mm-hmm. that thinks it's a bad thing going digital. I mean, I personally, um, I, I like the print version. I, I just like having it with me and granted, I don't have an iPad yet. Um, but it, it's it, so consuming it digitally is not something that I can do easily. Um, usually I will like, if I go into findwoodworking.com and I pull down one of their PDF articles or whatever, I usually end up printing it out. I'm just kind of old school that way, but I like that it's there. I like that I can get it digitally. I like that I have the option to print it out later. Or if I don't, I just want to read it on the screen. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. I just think that this is an inevitable thing. You know, right. Um, right. I'm surprised it's it. taken this long. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah. someone mentioned Wood Magazine, and I didn't really realize this, but they have a digital subscription. And from what I understand, it's actually part of the main subscription. So if you have a subscription to right. the print mag, you've got access to it. Do you, well, you, do you guys know anything about that? 
one thing that cracks me up about the popular woodworking thing is this isn't actually the first time that they did this. If you remember right, they, there was another not so long ago that they had an online version. It was just you had to jump through a few hoops to get to it. And I don't think you could use like the, the PDFs that they have on there. You couldn't download it. But they, they've had one. It was with uh, Coverleaf, if I remember right. I think it was the name of the website yeah. where they had it. Okay. And so it's yeah, like the – I you remember know, that. Yeah, and so now it's like they almost have this standalone one. Um, hmm. I don't. I, I think it's well, just it's, a, it's the influx of readers, basically. Now, readers yeah. meaning digital readers like Nooks and Kindles and iPads and things like that. I think that's the direct response to it, right? I, I think it's just a natural progression. I mean, I, I really do. I, I think that this is just yet one more mean means for people to get access to the articles and be able to, um, you know, take them where they want to grab specific ones. Um, I mean, let's get serious. A lot of, a lot more of us, um, mainly myself, uh, are taking electronics into the shop with them other than just like, you know, music to listen to. Uh, I, I, th- I just think this is a, a good transition. And the only people that, like I said, I think are complaining about this are these vocal old fogies who just absolutely <laughs> don't want to be up with the hip kids. Matt said and it. Matt said it. Not not me. Not Shannon. That's right. Uh, in fact, you know what? In this case, you guys can send me email because nobody ever sends me email. Remember that last conversation <laughs> about like not having Google traffic? <laughs> Matt will take good email, bad email. It doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> Any kind of email. <laughs> no, but uh, seriously, though, I, yeah. I do think this is a, a great uh, uh, way that they're going with this. I, I think the magazine, any magazine at this point, in this day, day and age, regardless of whether you have an iPod, iPad, an iPod, uh, whatever, you need to have some sort of digital version. It's just, it's the way that the market is and there's nothing wrong with that. Well, and so, the bottom line is the people who want to read the print magazine, nothing you do will get them to read it electronically if they don't want to. But this right. at least for the people who do want to consume it digitally, we now have the option. Um, now, right. I'm curious, looking at Wood's model, do you think, and this is interesting since we all produced digital content and you know, and some of us are now producing things for that actually cost money, so we may have a little bit of a different skewed opinion of this type of thing. But Interesting you- side point. I just got an email, somebody asking if it was possible to buy DVD versions of the Handle School. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> so there's the opposite going <laughs> yeah, on. You're trying to go back. To, I mean, I do the same thing with the Guild. I was reluctant to make DVDs because it's like, you guys have access to this stuff. Just burn your own DVDs. But people still like to have that. So... Uh, so I'm wondering, what do you think in terms of um, the whole entitlement thing? Just because you have a subscription to the print version, does that entitle you to a free access to their PDF version? That's a good question. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of things they can do. They could do a bundle, you know, where you kind of pay just a little bit more and you get the digital version. Um, but it seems like most people think if I pay for the print uh, not most people, or the most vocal people, let's say, right. um, that I'm also now entitled to the digital mm. version of this product. And if Wood has set the bar already, there may be a little bit of um, you know competitive pressure there to do that exact thing. I, Obviously, they're not doing it, but... <laughs> right. I, I'm, I'm kind of torn on this because there are times that I'm like, hey, I'm a subscriber. You should, you know, this should be part of my, 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 uh, my subscription. But at the same time, though... I, I, I God, I'm going to hate myself for saying this, but no, I, I think it needs to be um, 
if not necessarily a separate thing, there should be at least a discount for mm-hmm. already subscribed people. Yeah. And then if you you could then have your choice of once your maybe your regular subscription has ended, so you're not going to be getting the ones in the mail anymore, then you could re up for just the digital version. But I I think it's two very different entities entities creatures. Well, is it is that. it content wise? Is it a different entity? I mean, are they just taking the PDF? taking the, the whatever software they use, whatever magazine software uses their layouts, converting it to PDF and making it available, distributing it that way. That's how I um, understand it. It's it's not yes. like it's Who, not like somebody, fine woodworking, for instance. Yeah, like you know? Vic Vic just said in the chat room, you know, it, you have to pay for a digital fine woodworking, but it, it is premium. They have other things there. You're basically right. paying for access to the site and all that stuff. So yeah. to me, if they are going to charge separately for it, they should take advantage of it and use it for premium stuff, you know, extra things, stuff like that. Add something um, else to the experience then. Yeah. Now that that's going to be some pretty radical thinking because it's always been the online, the online side of the magazine has always been like a way to capture more subscribers. So of course it's all free, you know, here's all the extras come check out our site. And then yeah. while they're on the site, it's trying to drive people to subscribe as much as possible. This would be, you know, much like Mark, like what you and I are doing. Yeah. You know, right. there, there's a whole extra stuff that the general public's not getting and you have to be a subscriber to get it. Right. Um, I personally think that's the direction most of the world is heading you know, premium content. We've gone through the free content phase. Free content will always be there, but there's always going to be now going forward some sort of little extra carrot that you get um, because we can't, no one can make money with distribution via print anymore. It's just not, not happening. So which, which model do you guys like better? Do you like fine woodworking where they take a little bit of extra content and put that as part of the digital subscription? Or do you like pop woodworking where they're actually putting, I mean, if you think about it, what pop woodworking puts out for free, maybe if they made this stuff a little bit longer, a little bit more detailed, their podcasts are really fast and and short. Uh, But if they put a little bit more effort into that, they could roll that into some sort of online membership offering that would be comparable, let's say, uh, to what Fine Woodworking puts out, and Fine Woodworking doesn't put out nearly as much free content uh, as Popwood does. So, which I'm curious, which model, if you had to choose, what do you like better? Well, the first thing I'll say is at least Pop Woodworking has a feed, an iTunes feed for their their videos, <laughs> um, because that's where I get most of them. Doesn't Fine the Woodworking too? Um, not that yeah, they, fi- not that fine they update Woodworking it. does. I just don't think they've put anything up. Yeah, in, they in have. Time yeah, I mean it's just there inactive. in my queue, but there's nothing in there. Right, there's exactly. Nothing in the feed. Um, and maybe that's because the stuff they're putting up is for the premium subscribers. Yeah. And, you know, Mark, you and I both know that's a little tough to do. Yes. To push that stuff out. <laughs> um, the one thing I'll, I'll say, and Matt, you take over because I just lost my train of thought. All right. <laughs> and what do you think, that's, Matt? Well, you know, I, I actually I, I prefer currently the, the fine woodworking uh, uh, model the way yeah. it is. I like the idea of um, having that that little extra in there and uh because really when it comes down to it, a website, the way that things have been going so far is the website is like the carnival barker. It's pulling you in. It's saying, come and see the fat t- tattooed guy over here. Hey, it's me, Matt. And then, you know, all this <laughs> other stuff. But, you know, I think going towards these premium ones, it's 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 one of those. Now you're going to the, the barker is not going to be as loud, but you're going to get a lot more for your buck, you know, bang for your buck when it comes down to it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It, it's one of those 
uh, great. Now I'm starting to lose my train of thought. This co- conversation is really <laughs> well, Is it time I, to I move think, on? I think a topic that we can put a pin in for later is what kind of tattoo does Matt have and where is it? <laughs> Good question. Hmm. Now, uh, there's, there's two of them. So <laughs> I, I remembered my, my train of thought. First of all, I agree with you, Matt. I do like fine woodworking's idea, mainly because as a subscriber, I can get everything. Right. I can go, go and search the archives and pull up articles from 20 years ago. Love that. Um, and, and that's one of the reasons that, frankly, it's the first place I go. If I know that I'm going to build, say, a Pembroke table, I will go to Fine Woodworking first and search for Pembroke table. And yeah. I'll find everything, everything from cutting rule joints to making knuckle joints to different styles of Pembroke tables to inlay. I mean, you can find it all right there because, frankly, popular woodworking has been around as long as I've been alive. Right? Didn't they start in like 74? 70s, or... something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So you know, I've only been here since 75. So that was, you know, that's huge that I can do that. Damn, you're old, this... Shannon. I know. Damn. <laughs> at the same time, though, look at popular woodworking. While they're not doing that, they're launching this shop class on demand thing. So that's a whole different premium content idea for them. Yeah. So yeah. maybe their thought is we don't want to. Let's let's not get carried away here. We start charging for everything. We're going to lose people. Right. So let's keep this as free as possible. So if you think about it, it would probably make more sense for them to make this digital thing available to subscribers anyway. And yeah, by the yeah. way, here's this other stuff. Pull them and, into the other and, stuff. Right. Because there, there's some good ideas they've got going on there with, you know, bringing in um, craftsmen to shoot DVDs and then making them available online. I know Chuck Bender's done a few of them and um, not to let the cat out of the bag. I don't think I'm letting cat out of the bag. They're going to try to do that with some folks after Woodworking in America. You know, it's it's too hard to capture stuff during the conference because the sound and the lighting and everything can be really bad. So they're still trying to work through it. Nothing's confirmed yet. Who knows if it'll even happen at this point with some turnover of the magazine. But there's talk of bringing some of these speakers into their video studio and having them kind of, quote, unquote, recreate their session and putting that up on the premium site. That'd be sweet. Which I think is is brilliant because there's a lot of people who can't make it to Woodworking in America. And here's a way that you can go to Woodworking in America. So, you know, I would be really hesitant to start charging for something else, you know, if they're already trying to push for that. So that may be their, um, their MO, if you will. It's really going to be interesting to watch, you know, in the next five years, how all this pans out. I mean, we just talked last week about the whole hand tool focus thing. And I think pop woodworking is a is definitely something we want to keep our eye on. You know, they're definitely not staying with the status quo. They're they're moving around a little bit. They're playing the you know, they're playing the shuffle and, and just trying to, to find what works. So I'll be really interested to see how it all works out. Yeah. Oh, you know what? The thing that annoys me, just uh, as an aside, when people think that they're they have a subscription to find woodworking and they believe they're entitled to their digital subscription for free, um, mm. that that drives me nuts because the stuff that they do provide online is completely different. I mean, they also offer uh, redundancy for what's in the magazine, but it's extra content. Um, yeah. And I know a lot of folks, and I've read in forum posts and stuff that it's like, hey, I paid for the magazine. I should get that for free. And it's like, no, you shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what's funny is if you think about a lot of the, the free videos that go along with the, uh, uh, the the subscription for the online version, if they took those, can you imagine all the free DVDs that would have to be going out with the uh, the, the print magazine to make up for the stuff that's on the online version. Yeah. I mean, that would just, they would almost have to double your, the price of your, your, your magazine version 
versus the digital. There's just so much more that you can put out there. Sure. And you know what? All that digital stuff uh, takes a lot longer. Well, not, I can't say it takes a lot longer. Their print process is sort of like the machine that's going and going, and they, they ha- that's their business model. When you throw in this other responsibility with pretty much, let's say, work with the same staff, but now we also want blog posts, we want videos, we want projects mm-hmm. on video, and we want these to be part of this digital thing. That's a lot to ask of, of these companies, so I could see why you know there's a bit of a scramble to figure out how they're going to make this all work. Right. Uh, well, anyway, enough business talk. We do that a little bit too much, I think. Um, oh, well, that's what happens. We do have a, that. We do have an email. I have planes going over my house. Yeah. Uh, I, I love the fact that Diami um, just put a message to you in the chat room. Oh, what do you say? Put the at sign in front. Yeah. <laughs> We're not on Twitter, buddy. Come on. It's a chat room. That's becoming like a, a universal uh, uh, thing now. Oh, yeah. Improperly. They're asking me what other things annoy me. Uh, improperly squeezed toothpaste is definitely one of them, which is why we have converted over those to those. Uh, they're, they're much more expensive and, and really more wasteful and they never really go on sale. But the, the plastic toothpaste thing so that I don't have to worry about like getting annoyed that Nicole wants to squeeze the tube from the middle. <laughs> oh, all righty um wow John- so many things to say yeah so many inappropriate things to say <laughs> all right email we got an email from lewis uh he says hey this is lewis from northern california i work for a local furniture builder here in town and recently have made some patio furniture which i would like to what i would like to do is use the pop the grain method that you did with a pencil holder the furniture is made of redwood and i do plan to store it outside is it possible to even get half the effect you did using redwood the redwood had some nice sapwood lines that could possibly replicate the curly maple was wondering if you had or uh knew if this was possible lewis now the reason i popped this in there is uh, because this is really something that comes up quite a bit and it's one of those like uh I'm not going to say it annoys me because I'll be playing into what the chat room wants, but um, it's one it of those. It irritates you. It irritates me. It's not as bad as squeezing the tube from the middle. It's a bit of a, a misunderstanding that uh, some people have about popping the grain. Um, to pop the grain, there needs to be something to pop. And, and generally speaking, when we talk about popping the grain, what you're doing is, is sort of taking advantage of the natural, uh, the natural wood fibers moving in different directions and having areas of absorption that are greater than others. So what happens is you put an oil or a lacquer on there, it sort of gets this iridescent wavy shape. So it has to be a figured wood. If you have a flat grain board with no special figure to it whatsoever, you can't pop it. You can make it look beautiful and you could, you know, sort of add a finish to it that makes it look fantastic, but that's not the same as popping the grain. So uh, by my definition, at least, and, and most people's that I'm aware of, if you're going to do that type of operation and go through that extra work to get that effect, you need to have the right substrate. And from what he described, he just has some nice sapwood lines and things. I don't think that that's going to uh, to cut it quite the way that maybe a curly maple board would but it's it's just one of those misunderstandings that i see a lot so i just wanted to make that uh, put that in the show so more people hear about it so wait so now, let me let, let me let me check something here now you're saying like if i had a nice straight grain say douglas fir and uh, mm-hmm. i i try to get this i'm mm-hmm. not going to get the same popping of the grain as it's not going to look like say a tiger maple yes it will <laughs> Oh, in that yes. case, moving on. Yes, it will. But in order to make it do that, you have to buy my finishing two book. Yeah, that's actually as soon as I ship all the first ones. Yeah, buy my finishing book, buy my DVD, and maybe go buy yourself a hat or something and, like that. And, and then maybe buy some nice tiger maple veneer and fit that over the top of the <laughs> yeah. Douglas grain. Yeah, right. exactly. Now, the one thing I will say, because he is, since he is bringing up redwood, um, there is such a thing as curly redwood. I I have some, mm-hmm. and it's. 
it's really, really beautiful stuff. At the same time, redwood and, well, sapwood or softwoods in general do have very pronounced early growth and late growth rings. Those lines you see, the dark lines and the light lines, that's yeah. early and late growth. They're of much different density. So maybe what he's saying is, can I get those to pop out? You know, yeah, when he's yeah. talking about sapwood lines, maybe he's talking about that. Um, late growth stuff, the denser, darker lines and maybe making them pop out. Yeah. Now, I don't know. Because they're different densities, they might absorb, um, finish or die a little bit differently. But we're not talking about ingrain like we are with curly maple. Yeah, exactly. You know? It might be more subtle, but maybe it will do something. Yeah. Just devil's advocate. That may be what he's talking about there. Well, you know, if he just hits it with a little bit of oil, you know, and kind of lets that dry a little bit and hits the light just the right way, you can immediately tell. I mean, just by putting the oil on, you'll be able to tell. If you start to see areas that are uh, soaking up the oil faster than the rest, you know you've got some pockets of grain that are pulling the finish in more. Uh, and you do have potential to create a little bit of a 3D effect. So it is going to depend, right. but there definitely needs to be some built-in figure or, uh, you know, density or something that's called, you know, whether it's grain direction or actual sort of uh, density properties of the wood fibers, something has to be there to have an uneven absorption of color uh, or just the oil finish itself for that to work. Right. Cool. If you look at the um, the video I did on Renaissance Woodworker on toothing planes, there mm-hmm. I, I used a toothing plane on highly figured curly redwood. Oh, nice. Anybody who's interested in looking at what curly redwood looks like, that's – sorry. It wasn't meant to be such a blatant ploy to send people to my site. I was just trying to be informational. Speaking of so, curly, you know, um, have you seen CR Ch- uh, Chad Muterspawn? CR Lumber? <laughs> now, you make fun of Jay Gibson McIlvain, but all I can think of <laughs> – C.M. Pootersmith, J.B. <laughs> McNoodle. Yeah. It's, it's not my – I don't name these companies. I mean I, I just make fun <laughs> of them. Um, but anyway, yeah, so he sent me some uh, some samples, and one of them was a curly quarterson white oak. Wow. Nice. That's cool. And yeah. I, I wrote him back. I'm like, do you get this often? Because I think I might want to buy – all that you have because it's just <laughs> it's wild i'm gonna have to send you guys some pictures it's really impressive stuff that's but awesome. yeah you can get curl in some unexpected woods it just kind of happens sometimes and that's uh mm-hmm. you can find some gems for sure my favorite is going to the home center where you expect to never find anything <laughs> and you end up walking out with a board that should have been priced easily four times what they have in there yeah, and right. you're just like i'll take this crap off you yeah. don't worry that, about it that, <laughs> that bird's eye white pine yeah that's awesome. when you go and you i go, can't believe they snuck this in on you man they must have thought you were a sucker that's when you go can i can i speak to a manager and, and you say you know this one is you see how it's different than the rest this is not a good board can i get a discount on this <laughs> you should put this in the call <laughs> right. all right so thanks for that email lewis we appreciate it and wish you uh, good luck with your Redwood project there. Um, you know, we always have this, or once in a while, have the common task quiz. And I got a couple quick things on here. And frankly, I haven't even looked at it since I put it there like three weeks ago. So let's hope <laughs> I can get this out without stumbling over it. Uh, this will be for, let's start with Shannon. You're making a tabletop for an end table. The top is comprised of three boards. Do you alternate the end grain or no? No. How about you, Matt? Do you? Nope, I don't. I I try to match them up so that they look pretty together. Not on purpose, anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Disclaimer there, not on purpose. Okay, so this is a little bit, this might, for a quick, uh, this might not be as easy to answer quickly, um, but if it needs to take time, take time. Now, the same table decides to cup on you a year later, and it's causing a separation that you can actually see between the tabletop and the table aprons. Uh, Matt, what are you going to do about it? 
Oh, that's easy. I just sit on it. That flattens everything right down. Spray a little water, sit on it for an hour. It's fine. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, man. If if it's doing that. Um... Starting to lift, and you, you can actually see it. Oh, poop. It's my phone. Oh, hey. I ignore that ring. Okay, well, um, well, to be honest with you, I will just call that part of my design. It was a bent lamination. I meant that. Meant That's for that exactly to right. All right. Let's let's say let's say you can detach the tabletop because there's been times that I've seen that happen on on mm-hmm. my stuff, and sometimes things are better left alone. Uh, right. You know, and I realize that if I let that go and I release the top, I actually may be dealing with more of a problem than if I just you know let it be. Um, right. So Shannon, I'm I'm curious if it is starting to look like it's getting worse. Are you going to tackle it? You're going to leave it alone? What what kind of recovery are you going to have there? Well, um, you know, if, if I've let the kind of humidity come and go and see if it got better, you yeah, mean like a, f- so, a couple of seasons, right. And it continues to get worse. Well, um, you could certainly use the brute force method, <laughs> invite Matt over, <laughs> screw it down even more, you know, throw, throw a couple more clips under there, some angle brackets behind the aprons and screw it down a little bit more and force it into submission or, um, you know, I would I wouldn't want to touch so much the top that much. You know, unless you're talking about removing the finish. I suppose if it's like radically bad, you just have to not worry about the finish. Take the thing off, reflatten, and then refinish it. But probably an easier way would be to tackle the bottom of it. Yeah. You know, you've got a cup on the top, which means you've got a bow on the bottom, and the bow is what's kind of preventing the um, the apron from hitting it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's kind of hard to visualize. Uh, it, it might try flattening the bottom a little bit more in order to get it to lie flatter on the apron itself. Right. Um, I guess it's just a, it, it's all a matter of how badly is it cupping. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm so thinking words, just a small amount, you know, if it's a drastic amount, then, Oh damn, you know, you replace the top, but if it's yeah. just a small amount, you probably can actually coax it back into line sure. just with some fasteners or, you know, a little bit of block plane work um, to even possibly create somewhat of a concave right by the rails um, to get it to line back up. And if you, if you have enough material to work with you, I guess you'd be losing about an eighth, eighth of an inch in width in this, but you could always take it out, you know, rip it down the middle to sort of um, uh, cut your losses a little bit there and and try to get it glued back together a little bit flatter. And it probably still would need some work uh, to join each of those individual pieces again. But assuming you have some stock to work with, you might be able to recover it that way. At least you could just do an applied molding. Cover up the gap. <laughs> I was thinking about taking a jigsaw and maybe scribing the line so that you could get the you know the, the apron to be an exact fit with that that bow there. Got a nice you taper know. in it. So. Exactly. Yeah. Like you know, like when you're trying to put some paneling up against, they like, say, like a, a nice brick or rock uh, fireplace, <laughs> and you do that scribe line so you get it nice and tight. I say do it, and the people will be like. Does that look a little wavy? I'm like, mm, you must Mm-mm. have an imperfection in your glasses. It looks I don't good see to me. Anything. Hey, it's not lifting off the apron, so it must be flat. Or the other <laughs> option is to cut the legs just that much shorter so that it's out of the view when you're looking at it so you don't even notice. I think the, uh, I think the chat room's got it right. Mechanologist says, I'd take the table apart, put Naps, Matt's name on it, and blame him. <laughs> <laughs> Winner! There you <laughs> go. Ding, 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 ding. Okay, um, now the other thing I wanted to jump into was chat room questions, and I got two of them while we were talking here, just uh, people randomly throwing stuff out there, so I'll throw those out. And if anybody else in the chat room has a question um, while I'm asking these, go ahead and throw it out there, and hopefully Matt or Shannon will be able to jot it down, and we can just kind of address any questions anybody has. Uh, first of all, um, someone wanted to know uh, from Shannon, 
if your coworkers over at uh, J. Johnson McGillicuddy uh, Lumber, <laughs> if uh, if they if anyone listens to Wood Talk online at all, I highly doubt it. <laughs> okay, I seriously doubt it. That question was from Jim, by the way. <laughs> we- uh, I have a question that actually came in earlier from Sean, uh, Sean G, to be exact. And he's wondering, what makes a woodworking class good? Mm. You guys got any insight on this? Um, Mark, you've taught some classes. Uh, have anybody said anything about your classes well, being good? That's or? what makes the class good um, right off the bat. That's what, what I kind of figured. So I figured it was, it was yeah. a, a softball question to you. <laughs> that's a really good question. Um, I, this might be different for different people. Um, you know, at the point that I am, depending on the class that I take, some classes, you know, speaking of of softball, you know, some classes I take, not because I couldn't have built that thing myself, but because I want to just go for an isolated five day experience and have nothing else to do but build that project. And then anything I happen to pick up along the way, um, you know, especially working with people like Daryl Peart, uh, you know, and William Ng, people who have very different work methods than I do, is just an incredible experience that's icing on the cake for me. Um, but if I'm taking a really challenging class where I like, if I don't pay attention, I'm lost, you know, and I wind up screwing up the project. Um, you know, that takes a, there's, there's a lot to ask of an instructor in in these woodworking classes. So I think first and foremost, having, uh, an experienced instructor that knows how to deal with these issues on the fly, because in a classroom setting, an instructor's job is to keep you from screwing up and to put you back on course when you do, not if you do, but when you do. And to get it to the point that you can actually make it to the finish line um, and have at least some, you know, some near finished product when it's all said and done so that you have a successful experience. Um, Not all instructors are very good at doing that. Um, So to me, the instructor is a key, obviously a very key component to a successful uh, good woodworking class. Right. Oh, yeah, I could see that. Oh, definitely. So without naming names, have either of you taken a, I mean, maybe this is easier to answer by identifying what makes a bad woodworking class. <laughs> have either of you had any bad experiences? Yes. <laughs> don't don't name names, yes, but what, what, what in particular may have made that a bad experience for you? Well, I, I can answer it by kind of answering the first question as well. I think you ought to be able to walk away from a woodworking class and be able to recreate what you did in your own shop without someone telling you what to do. You right. know, in other words, the, the, the instructor taught it in a way that you retained it and you're able to apply it to something later on. Now, that may be because... Usually when I take classes, it's like more of a technique class. Um, I, I usually just don't have time to get away for a full week to take like a project class. So all of my classes are more of, you know, here's how you do this particular technique or here's how you apply something like that to one of your own projects. And I've taken classes where I walk in and I walk out and I have no idea. I'm totally lost. Like I walk back to my own bench and I'm like, okay, how am I going to do what we did in class? Um and then there's others where the instructor is just poorly prepared, you know, and again, Mark, it comes back to the instructor where yeah. they just, they don't like, maybe they had done an outline in their head of, of how they wanted to cover it. And right. the minute something comes up, the minute that the inevitable issue comes up, they're completely derailed. Yeah. And you know, they're, they're before you know it, an hour is gone and they're completely off schedule and you, you don't finish the class. You actually don't get through what was meant to be covered and you leave thinking, damn, I just got ripped off. Yeah. You know, yeah. We were supposed to cover these four techniques and we got to two of them. So 
That's yeah. that's a really good point in terms of uh, w- what you mentioned about being able to retain and, and take things back that you can actually use in your woodworking. Um, one thing that has kind of driven me nuts in the past in certain classes is when the instructor doesn't give me enough to be able to reproduce the product on my own if I right. wanted to. There are some times that you will go and, you know, and even some of the good classes I've been to are guilty of this because they are doing an insanely involved project in a five-day period shortcuts have to be taken and one of those is all of the jigs and especially things like routing jigs for green and green projects for instance if the instructor has built a jig and you just go through grab your workpiece drop it in the jig you're done well that doesn't mean that you're going to be able to do that at home you don't have that jig you know so that for the sake of completing the class in a short amount of time you're going to actually lose a lot and you're not going to be able to make another one when you get home. So to me, one thing that I always do in my classes is I try to have a full plan that even if I wasn't there, that they should be able to make that project on their own. And if I have jigs, I want them to have the diagrams for the jigs as well. Um, Because I mean, that's one thing you want to look out for. If you see a really complex project, here's a good example. Uh, William Ng does the blacker house chair. I believe it's like a seven day, eight day. I'm not sure what it is, but it's, it's a long class. But even then you need to take shortcuts in order for all of these people to successfully build that chair. So when you go home, unless, unless he's kind enough to let you take a whole bunch of jigs home with you, you're probably not going to be able to make that again, unless you had took really good notes, great pictures, and you recreate each and every one of those jigs. So pay attention to the length of the class and the complexity of the project, because if it's too complex and you've got a short amount of time to do it, and chances are someone's going to cut corners for you, and it may not may not like equate to the best experience that you could possibly get. Right. The, the other thing, the other thing I'll say, and I'm sorry, Matt, if you've got something to say, but I'm going. Yes, but screw you. Um, <laughs> Fine, be is, that way. And and this would apply woodworking, whatever, any class you take. I love it when something slightly goes wrong, and the instructor just kind of takes the tool from you and fixes <laughs> something, does something magical, and then takes a couple of test cuts. And you're like, okay, here you go, you're back to it. And I'm like, what did you just do? You know, right. um, I this was. A while ago, I was in a hand playing class, um, and it was out of was out of woodcraft. It's not woodcraft's fault; it's the, whoever hired the instructor's fault. Yeah, and and we were working through something, and my plane kept jamming; it kept clogging up on me. And I was like, you know, what am I doing wrong here? Is is it, of course my immediate reaction was, what's wrong with my plane? And he just grabbed it. He literally turned his back to me, walked to the other side of the room. And like, from my perspective, all I saw was just him doing things with his back to me. And then he came back, kind of moved me out of the way, took a couple of shavings and it came out fine and then handed it back to me. I was like, <laughs> okay, you're good to go now. And I was just like, what It just happened? You're yeah. killing me here. You know? And anytime a professor like shows you how to do something by just doing it, him or herself, not a good idea. Yeah. Anyway. Well, another thing I would add for people who are taking classes, one thing that really helps is if there's something you are not struggling with, something you get, don't be afraid to help your classmates because as an instructor, I can tell you that there are a lot of times where the slowest person in the class has a tendency to dictate the pace. Uh, in some cases, the fastest person can sometimes dictate the pace, which makes it even harder for the instructor to keep everyone else feeling like they're making enough progress. Um, so if you are one of those folks who works quicker, um, don't be afraid to lend a hand if you're, if you're competent enough to sort of guide someone through a process. And in most cases, the things are all set up for you. The instructor says, okay, let's go to this tool. Let's get this uh, operation set up. Boom, boom, there you go. 
And if someone comes up behind you, don't, you know, if you're able to help them, help them through that so that the instructor doesn't necessarily need to repeat themselves over and over for each person that comes to that tool. And as a, a cohesive unit, the class actually does better that way. And then the instructor can go give extra time to the people who really need it. And then everything just moves much faster, you know, if it's kind of you a know, team that, effort. That's, that's good to hear because I'm often hesitant to do that. Yeah. I mean, let's face it, blogging and podcasting makes you kind of Awesome. Um, oh, sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you answer questions a lot all day. You research things for podcasts. You, I end up doing a lot of reading just to kind of stay up on top of things. And, yeah. you know, I, I think I approach classes from the same perspective. And Matt knows I take notes. I take yeah. a lot of notes. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. They're not actually called notes. Those are called volumes. Uh, yeah. I put them in a notebook. <laughs> I am also the guy the that sent the version. notebook to Chris Schwartz. <laughs> right. But the the idea, or the, the point is, is I find myself like wanting to lend my two cents when the instructor's around. And I'm often hesitant to do that because I don't want to be the know-it-all. Yeah. I don't want to be that guy in the class. Um, so yeah. it's actually, I've never taught a class like that live. So it's actually kind of nice to hear that perspective. Well, and I guess here's the thing. That's me. Uh, I may be giving my perspective. And a lot of the instructors I've worked with have been easygoing. You may find someone who doesn't like that. Um, you know, a school like Mark Adams, for instance, where the rules are a, a little bit more strictly enforced, maybe they have a policy about people not instructing others if you're not the instructor. But that's, that's not exactly what I mean. Just a little bit of guidance to sort of, you know, help someone not make a mistake if you see them doing something wrong. Um, but there is always that risk that you run is to be that guy, you know, where somebody's doing yeah. something that actually really isn't that unsafe or it's not necessarily wrong. And you chime in and be like, you know, you shouldn't be doing it that way. Nobody wants that guy. You know, if you do see something wrong and it's an immediate emergency, yes, step in and stop <laughs> something from happening. But if it's just like a minor technique issue, if anything, bring it to the instructor's intent, uh, attention. Let them handle it, you know, and let them decide if this is something that they need to intervene with. Um, but I know me personally, if somebody steps up and I see that they're competent because they are the first, you know, person done with each one of these steps, I would appreciate it if they actually would hang around a little bit, slows them down, but it keeps the, the class going together and stops me from having to talk so much. So, yeah, I welcome that kind of thing. It, it sounds like everybody should be going for the buddy system. It's not just safe in the water. It's safe in the shop. <laughs> yeah. I actually, every class I've ever taken, I always it's team fun up in with the shower. Yeah. I actually not gone um, into the adult swim portion of oh. the Shannon. Please keep it safe. That's about, uh, that's in five minutes, by the way. <laughs> okay. Adult swim. Um, but yeah, I actually do the buddy system in every class. It just seems that I get teamed up with, with somebody and we just kind of cruise along together. It works out that better that way, if, uh, especially if you make them go first all the time. <laughs> right. uh, let them screw up and then you just make sure you get it right for yours. Right. All right. Any more questions? We actually are uh, over an hour already here. Uh, there are a few more. There's there's uh, a, a couple here. Do you guys want to do we want to go watch it a little bit longer? Do we want to take into Adult Swim? Uh, um, I think I, maybe we should just wrap it up at this point. Um, okay, let's do that. We could we could definitely save these for an upcoming episode because there's a couple of really good ones here. I'm not going to tell you what they are right now, folks, because you'll really like them. <laughs> teaser, teaser. Well, just because I wasn't paying attention, let me at least throw this out there. Oh, because yeah, I've had to... four or five questions already yep. today. One of them in the chat room: uh, Woodworking in America registration. It it is coming. We promise. Um, it should still happen next week. But again, there's no definite date yet. Only because the um, the conference registration website is built by somebody that is not affiliated with Popular Woodworking. It's a different entity altogether. 
that site, that company just submitted the site back to Papa Woodworking for kind of review. And apparently there were some instances where woodworking was spelled wrong. Um, <laughs> simple things like that, that um, I think we've all been clear that um, Megan Fitzpatrick is uh, quite the grammarian and spelling um, uh, tyrant would probably be a good word for it. So she is and her team are proofreading things. So we should see registration coming up very, very quickly. Uh, I hope to have another update as soon as we get a definite date. So nice. there's my my public service announcement for woodworking in America. Well, thank you. Now, Sean. why are they being such sticklers? Is it because they're a magazine? I don't. I guess I don't understand. <laughs> I think they're all afraid that once Chris leaves, someone will send them notebooks full of <laughs> notes. Exactly. <laughs> hey, somebody's got to do it, right? <laughs> I bet you there's probably a PS in the back of that notebook that's like. Um, Please let Megan know she's next. <laughs> You're next on the list. Oh, that would suck. All right. Well, let's wrap this up, Matt. You want to give them the contact info and we will skedaddle out of here? Absolutely. If, hey, if you want to get a hold of us because maybe you have a question that you want to have us answer or attempt to answer, uh, there's several different ways you can get a hold of us. Again, even if you have a comment about something that you've heard today or a suggestion about something you'd like to hear, Email us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com or call and leave us a voicemail at 623-242-5180. Or you can even Skype us at woodtalkonline. And don't forget, you can also pop on over at woodtalkonline.com and visit the forum there where uh, there's a good chance you could run into one of us or a whole bunch of other people that are in the forum that probably could answer your question a hell of a lot better or, or even shorter. So anyways, though, those are the ways that you can get a hold of us. And don't forget to check out our individual sites. Uh, that's Mark over at thewoodwhisperer.com and Shannon over at renaissancewoodworker.com and my own site, mattsbasementworkshop.com. And uh, let me see, is that it? Yep. And, that's, and, it. yep that, yeah. that's it. Yep, yeah, that's it. That's all of it. That's a whole bunch that's of That's all she wrote. All right, well, thanks, everybody. It was a great live show. And remember, these live shows depend on your content so when we you know throw out a twitter saying hey call us leave a message um we really like playing your voicemail so we'll actually have a voicemail that we'll play at the end of the show you have to listen to the recorded version for that it's a little uh, review of an article from uh, one of our friends um whose name escapes me right now uh, <laughs> jeremy it's a really jeremy. close friend obviously <laughs> it's jeremy uh so yeah we'll have that at the uh, at the end of the show listen to the recorded version for that and appreciate the chat room hanging out with us and we will probably reconvene in a couple weeks now um what we'll have to look at the calendar after we get into our adult swim uh, but thanks everybody for listening we'll catch you next time see y'all see ya this is a magazine review from Jeremy Crewalt, the muddle-headed woodworker. The article I'm reviewing is Richard Vaughan's article in Australian Wood Review number 71, which was uh, released in May 2011. Richard describes putting his shop back together after it was inundated in the Brisbane floods of earlier this year, which I'm sure everyone around the world will have seen. Richard had two metres of water through his shop and not only did it contain silt but because his shop was in an industrial area there were all sorts of corrosive chemicals uh, spilled out of other people's storage uh, in that water. But his article is full of great tips about how to get your shop back together again. Some of the things he points out are the need to get electric motors cleaned 
and dry as quickly as possible. Don't let the silt stay in there and get hard and caked on. He also points out that using contact cleaner rather than uh, a penetrating oil like WD-40 is a good move and he gives useful tips on taking things apart and then making sure that you can get them back together again. But the most important thing about this article is how all the woodworking community of Brisbane pitched in to help Richard. Not only did they come over and help with the back-breaking donkey work of moving things around and opening them up and drying them out and cleaning them, but people actually took his wood hand tools away and restored them for him so that they will be in better condition than they were before the flood. The final point that Richard mentions is that if you know that someone is doing it tough and you're thinking about them, do let them know that you're thinking about them, but given that they're going to be fully occupied trying to get the place back together again, let them know by an email or a text message. Don't phone them, and certainly don't expect them to run through the whole dismal story on the phone if you do. Just letting them know that you're thinking of them is the best thing that you can do if you can't physically get down and help. Wood Talk Online is a community-supported show and you can help out for as little as $2 a month. Donations aren't required, but they are appreciated. If you'd like to help out, head to woodtalkonline.com and click one of the donation buttons in the right column. Thanks for listening and thanks for your support. Let's let's actually try and get a couple. So give us the cheerful chortle. Okay, hold on. I gotta think about. It. <laughs> no, that's not right either. That's the like. <laughs> that's like the drunk chortle. Matt, you ugly. <laughs> no, that still doesn't work. <laughs> give give us an angry chortle. <laughs> also known as the Santa Claus chortle. I was gonna say that's creepy <laughs> mall Santa Claus chortle. And what's really sad is like. We get a lot of content out of people who write insulting emails. (laughs) And I'm serious. I do love you. I'm going to turn the light on in my room. It's too dark in here. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTER Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. 
Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.